Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Hollywood RX. The doctors are in, in orbit, that is, around <laughs> First Man. Damien Chazelle's follow-up to La La Land, starring Ryan Gosling as Neil Armstrong, the first man on the moon. Reviewing it tonight, as always, will be Dr. D., my esteemed colleague, and myself, Dr. G. How are you, Dr. D? I am uh, fit as a fiddle and ready to talk. You have said fit as a fiddle many a time on this program. Oh, darn it. I didn't realize. Maybe it should be a drinking game. Uh-oh. No, no. <laughs> a little early in the season for that. All right. Um, <clears throat> so, so about First Man. Uh, yeah. This doctor found the film to be uh, fairly engrossing. Um, I thought you were going to say that. Go on. Uh, yeah, I felt, uh, I felt that overall it, it did a really excellent job of balancing the uh, technical and human aspects of the story. I found its particular strength was, uh, was personalizing the experience of being an, being an early astronaut and being stuck in those little capsules and feeling all the pressure and vibration that they went through. Mm -hmm. How would you, uh, how would that sit with you? I would say that both of those statements, uh, I mean that what you said about the film itself is, is true. Um, and I want to hear more and more about the different things about it that worked for you in the hopes that you can help me give a fucking crap. Oh, no! <laughs> yes, I'm very excited to hear you liked it because I did not. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. Well, I have to say... Um, <laughs> wow. Um, well, I have to say, I think I liked just basically the, uh, the overall presentation of the difficulties of the early space program. I found the recreation of the period to be excellent, especially as far as... Um, all those old-fashioned switches and knobs they had to deal with in there. <laughs> yes. Which um, I, I'm sure that you thought of Apollo 13 a few times during this movie, as I did. But yes, I yes. felt like this movie uh, got that kind of feeling right, or it, the feeling of these of these old-fashioned switches and technology um, somehow felt stronger to me in this movie than they did in Apollo 13. Yeah, they absolutely created or recreated, whatever, created this universe down to the last detail, um, all of it very um, highly uh, accurate, possibly even, you know, I can't judge whether or not people's motivations are what they look like, but it could be, it could be a perfect replication of every element as far as I know. Um, you know, from the phones to the clothes to the to the screws, you know, yeah. like you're saying, to the knobs, um, all of those uh, little details were were perfect in that sense. It's it's. I mean, you watch it and it's kind of like unimaginable to think. Yeah. Now that they were sending people up into space with a little. <laughs> yeah. A board full I mean, of these 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 old. These old metal right. switches. <laughs> when, when you know, during that opening sequence um, uh, where he's basically doing a test flight to just get outside the Earth's atmosphere, yeah. not so much be in space, but just basically be a pilot who's flown through the, the you know, that, that um, layer. Um, and I was looking at it going, 
this is insane that they went up with this little amount of protection. I mean, I didn't have a lot of, um, during the sequence, I wasn't quite sure what was going on. The shots were so tight and it seemed like he was in a plane, but I wasn't fully sure. It's a little, I think, intentionally disorienting in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't sure if he was in like a space, you know, in a rocket or in a plane. But eventually I realized it was a plane. But I still thought, this is madness. And then I thought, oh, okay, well, this is just the beginning. And then as they go through, they're going to b- build the technology that will be much more sensible to send people into space. And then when they're finally sending people into space, I'm like, you did not develop the technology enough. Right, this yeah, I, I believe that, that, that you got the, uh, the the door technology right to seal those guys up in there. <laughs> yeah, but with right. that first plane that he's on, you certainly don't think of those planes as being airtight. No, no. I mean, I guess if you're wearing a thing and you've got a mask on your face and you're connected to a tank, that's your air. You're not relying on the oxygen from the various levels of the stratosphere. Yeah, no, just 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 madness. Pure, pure, unadulterated <laughs> madness. Right. So I, I definitely, for areas where this movie sort of broke ground for me mm-hmm. was uh, partially in that, in that part where you look at it and go, well, this entire idea is just insane. Um, that people would consider it, that people would then volunteer to do it. They'd, they'd, they'd vie with one another, you know, that there'd be competition to be the person who, whatever, just seems completely um, crazy. Uh, So that was one aspect. The aspect of feeling like I was in those modules and could feel, I mean, I wasn't sitting in a chair. That would be one thing if they could, if you could see it in one of those theaters where the chair response to the action on screen Ooh, yeah um that would be pretty intense but short of that i mean i felt those rattles and those rumbles i saw it in imax so it was huge and it was loud and it was overwhelming and um i feel like there was a little bit of a diminishing returns that it opened with that kind of a scene and then it seemed like it you know we had a, a one in the middle that was just as jarring, sort of, mm-hmm. a sequence in the middle. And then we had the, the actual moon sequence. I wasn't seeing a growth or a development in that effect, if you follow me. I do. I do. Yeah, so, that, it's true. There was no, like, progression. It wasn't, like, getting to, like, when they're landing on the moon, that it was especially chaotic compared to right, right. the earlier ones. Right. I see so, that it didn't bother me that much. Um, and, and those capsules certainly seemed way more confining than they have been to my memory um, that they than they've been displayed before. So that was another area where it broke some ground for me. The only other movie I can think of that captured it, and I am ashamed to say that it's at least in the sequences that I've seen, because I've not seen the whole film, but I really want to now, mm. is uh, if you remember the right stuff. Yeah, no, of course. That was going to be... I have two move. I have two movies. I have notes for two movies. One is the right stuff, and one is this one. I saw the right stuff around the time it came out. I'm not sure if I saw it in a movie theater. I don't even know if it was a theatrically released movie. Oh, it, it absolutely was. It absolutely okay. was. So, in fairness, I might have seen the right stuff on a television around the time, you know... And, yeah. And, time appropriate for when it came out which would be a complete disservice to To that movie yeah um but the best available to me at the time but i can't really recall 
uh, what you know uh, the circumstances were of the viewing of that. I know I saw Apollo 13 in the theater, and I know I've seen it multiple times since I saw it in the theater, um, to the detriment of First Man. I remember Apollo 13 being somewhat clean. Mm, yes. Compared to this movie. This movie was, was sort of appropriately lived in and, and dirty. And I, I remember in particular the scene in Apollo 13 where they're, they're kind of in a dead orbit and they're waiting to slingshot around and they're just sort of talking to each other in the big empty can. And I just, it had a real set feeling to it. Right, right. When you were in there. And this movie, if nothing else, did not feel like a set. Uh, that's true. They did very little of the weightlessness um, you know, that whole sort of weightless type, um, look where, you know, oh, they went up on the vomit comet or, right. you know, you get more involved in your head and how they, how they did what they're doing. Then they just had like two or three shots where it was, you know, one with a pen that he grabs out of the air. And then there was one where the guy spun something mm-hmm. and it went around and around and it was, and it was over you know you didn't need to to linger on it um i had been reading a little bit somewhere i'm sorry i can't cite this but um that in fact like i I like what you're saying that the world seems grittier more realistically gritty in this movie yeah but the the outcry i read was that the grittiness of those capsules as depicted in this movie is beyond that which would have been permitted by NASA. That it's a it's a grit too far. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, well, I I guess we'll have to to see if there's if there's been any uh, flack about that from the the ex NASA community. Uh, right. Right. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. It, it, uh, I'm not. Sh- I'm, I'm willing to give it a pass if that's the case. Right. No, I understand. Is 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 it's like if if they're going to take artistic license somewhere, that's not the worst place to do it. I think I had read actually that the all the capsules were built to no more than ten percent larger than. The actual capsules were. Oh yeah, no, I'm not judging that. What I'm saying is that the literal amount of um, wear and tear mm-hmm. and sort of just dirtiness is where the the outcry was coming from. You know, I that, to me it wasn't. That so it much... would be it would be closer to that spick and span look that happened in Apollo 13 rather than this. The word gritty here is the word gritty here is substituting. It has it's having both meanings. It's literally referring to the actual grime of the universe, but also to the the feeling of lived inness. The you know, yeah, I'm not sure gritty is is the word I'm entirely comfortable word. with, okay. but it feels definitely worn and used. You know, right. I did notice in one of the capsule shots that there's that there is some. 
some some paint scratches in the back by the door and it's like well that's realistic they're probably you know something's running against right. the door every time they're going in and out like it didn't <laughs> it, none of it ever stuck out to me as like wait a minute you wouldn't right, have right. a coffee maker in the capsule you know or... <laughs> there wasn't a there wasn't a hairball or a tumbleweed the size of a a small dog right right okay yeah no, in fact yeah, if anything i think isn't someone chewing gum in one of the is it the one that uh, catches fire? I think the, the, there was uh, there was something like that where I was like, "Hmm, gum. Are they allowed to have that in a capsule?" Um, <clears throat> I don't uh, I don't remember about the gum, but I wouldn't be surprised if somebody was chewing it. Um, I was sort of surprised to learn again. I, I'm just going to sort of take all this at face value. Okay. But I understand that it's a biopic and people invent stuff. So this idea that astronauts are taking with them memorabilia and like they had these sort of personal kits, this small thing that had whatever you can fit in here, you can bring with you. And I'm sure there was a weight limit or something. Yeah. Um, so gum might have been one of these things that could go there. But yeah, when you're done chewing it, what do you do with it? You put it back in the thing and then you get your fingers are all gummy. And that um, that aspect was completely new to me. That yeah. uh, that that they brought anything to leave there, and uh, I guess we're gonna I guess we're gonna jump right to it, um, because that's actually one of the things that I did have a big problem with Ooh. was that uh, I I felt like okay when they land on the moon I thought everything was just perfect I loved the silence I loved holding on the helmet yeah and, and just seeing the reflection i loved the 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 pan up from the moon horizon to the earth in the distance like we'd been seeing the moon in the distance from the earth yes. in all these previous yes. shots everything right, was right. everything was just fantastic you know and i it was easy for me to project what a head rush that was you know like they're not we don't see them like jumping around and playing and whatnot and yeah. just standing yeah. there and just taking it in like holy shit we're on the moon but then he had to cut to the flashbacks of the daughter, <laughs> and that totally killed it for me. I think it would have been much more powerful if we had just held on his helmet, and then we cut to his hand with the bracelet yeah. in it, and the bracelet falls. That conveys yes. he's thinking of his daughter much you, more powerfully yes, than, than giving us shots of scenes him. we've seen yes. before. Yes. I... Uh, but you have to understand that's because Damien Chazelle knows that you are not smart enough to understand the moment he's created or he doesn't believe in himself enough to know that he did the work to get it done. I think it's the former. I, I think, think it's I... a combination of both. Mm. At the very least, it could have been a flashback we had never seen. The, yeah. I mean, that would have been somewhat more forgivable to me. Yeah. If yeah. it was... A moment of him holding his daughter and pointing up at the moon, trying to get her to focus in yes. on it. Then the I, I moment, wouldn't have had a problem. Or the moment where that bracelet entered their life. Yeah. You yeah. Um, now I will tell you that again, from what I've read, the degree to which his daughter was in his mind on the surface of the moon and in fact whether or not there was actually a bracelet uh, left there 
is a, is speculation it's, on the part it's, it's of the, the guy who who wrote the book and <clears throat> and um, and then the screenplay. Josh Singer. Yes, that's his name. And I don't have a problem with I don't have a problem with that as conjecture necessarily. Me neither. That that's the kind of artistic license that I feel is is totally fine. And that, is, that is fine. Yeah. And and you know, but that doesn't forgive the choices that you're pointing at right there with regards to the moon. No, Absolutely. it doesn't. Absolutely. That shot with the helmet, um, where you see, you know, you basically see the reflection of what he's looking at. Yeah. I just, I just loved that completely. That could have been the poster. Absolutely, I, I really, I went back and looked at the poster after the movie. Oh, it's awful. There are so many, there are so many um, images in this film that I found startling and sort of like awesome. Not necessarily that they would have made good posters, but they would have made a better poster than the one that they used. <laughs> than the one that they used, I, I, I don't know that shot. It's a, it's a, you see three quarters of his body. It's just after he crashed, he, he, he ejects himself out of that machine. Mm-hmm. Um, now, by the way, whatever that test they were doing, it was like, can you handle landing this thing? Whatever it was. Right. It was like a, a landing, a, 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 um, a real time, real life landing. Right. Got to make the mistakes down here so we don't make them up there. Right. Um, and I loved that shot after he ejects. And you're just looking at it, his body from it's a POV shot mm-hmm. as the thing below him explodes and he goes flying off and he hits the ground and he's completely battered up and banged up. And then he stands up and there's a shot. You see three quarters of his body and you see this huge, you know, fire burning of the thing that he crashed. That's a gorgeous shot. Yep. And that says as much about anything just as a shot. Here's this guy who just survived whatever that is. Yeah. You know, which speaks to all of that, you know, that daredevil fighter pilot airplane testing type spirit that is the right stuff. That's what the right stuff is, is is that impulse to do that thing that is not only seems impossible, but is three quarters worthless other than just to have done it. Right. I also like that they that they uh, that they paid uh, paid attention to the the unpopularity of the space program with the general public that that got a little a little mention as well it's sort of interesting because that what they really did was i feel like in the movie was they built this this insular insular world for them which may very well have been what it is which is that we all live on the same street we all socialize together we all go into the office and do the you know and work together and the outside world sort of doesn't exist, doesn't exist. to them or doesn't appear to exist which if you think about it makes absolute sense because if you've got guys doing something as crazy as what they were doing you don't want yeah. them distracted by like you know no a pipe burst on main street you know like right or 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 60% of americans think the space program is a waste of time and money yeah right. did you have a did you have a problem with them sort of living together in this little NASA community? Did that, was that an issue oh, for you? Oh, no. No, I didn't have a problem with it. I thought it was well depicted and it made sense not only for the movie, but for whatever it might have really, whether or not it really happened. I mean, I wish I wasn't such a dummy and I wish I knew more about the actual history of it and not everything that I know about it is, I've gleaned from watching <laughs> from, other from a movies. From movie or two, yeah. You know, <clears throat> so that's, that's disgraceful on my part. No, mine too. Uh, certainly. Did um, you? Did you? Have you seen the uh, the thing that Tom Hanks narrated from Earth to the Moon? 
I saw bits and pieces of it. That was a another one. There were basically, well, listen, since it's come up anyway, <clears throat> uh, why have you seen it? No, I've not. I was curious if if you I were including saw, that in the the the, the canon of space I educational saw, movies. I sort of, I sort of am. I think I may have seen maybe two episodes of that. When I say bits and pieces, I don't mean a couple of several episodes. It was just like a seeing a full episode, seeing a different full episode kind gotcha. of thing. And it wasn't that I didn't find it well done or whatever it was it was just um as a general subject it's not super compelling to me hmm so so i'll say that but i wasn't i was not surprised to see to see steven spielberg's name in the credits here because of his association with earth to the moon hmm. um uh, why well, I was surprised not to see Tom Hanks's <laughs> anywhere, but maybe that's uh, that's better because you don't want to keep um, when you're making this ha- have too many people talking about Tom Hanks and Apollo 13 and making that uh, reference because for me um, Apollo 13 uh, is a, just a far superior film. Oh, okay. Um, I, I, I had a feeling I, that was going to be the case. I wasn't. I wasn't at this point ready to start bagging on it because I still had some other things I thought I could say that were nice about it. But just in general, I find that for me, Apollo thirteen had human element to it. Yeah. It it had family, the byplay between the guys. Yeah. And it had a story that, at least when I first saw it, I didn't know that much about any of this to know how it all ends so that I was still caught up in the drama of the story. For me, this movie had no propelling drama to it. It had that same flatness that almost all biopics have, which is you already know the bare bones of the, the dramatic story of it. That's, I, I, I can't argue against that. Um, and, and definitely, yes, I'm aware of, I, I am definitely aware that there was much more of a human element to Apollo 13, but but it is a it is a more of a popular uh, no I mean like a um, a popcorn type movie I will definitely give you that that this is this is sort of more like an, an adult version of Apollo 13 with all the enjoyable stuff taken out um, and in that regard they did an extremely good job. Well, you know I'm going to I'm going to borrow uh, I'm going to borrow a critic's. Uh, I'm going to borrow an analogy, okay. which uh, I hope doesn't get me into hot water here. But uh, there was a critic, I don't remember who, who said of all the president's men when that film first came out, called it the thinking man's jaws. And, uh, well, I'm going to say it. I think this is the thinking man's Apollo 13. Okay. I'm going to have to now start shitting on this thing very <laughs> hard now. <laughs> But I appreciate what you're saying, and I appreciate that you gave credit, you know, where it's due, as far as what you're, what you're pulling from. And we were tap dancing around this anyway. Let me just touch briefly also on the right stuff, to say that I don't remember enough of it to go, to see how this fits with that. No, me neither. I mean, it's obviously covering some of the same periods of time, but that other movie had a much broader focus. It wasn't just looking at one particular person it was also not uh what you would call a popcorn movie 
Uh, no, it was it was more of a thinking man's version of itself because I don't think Apollo 13 was was probably still years away from existing. Um, so, all right. Take, take a deep breath. I'm going to take a deep breath. Um, I'm a fairly big fan of Ryan Gosling's work. Generally speaking, okay. I'm just going to quickly, I'm going to quickly look at some of the other movies he's done that I have enjoyed to one extent or another. I'm going to put uh, La La Land in there with a giant asterisk and Blade Runner uh, with an asterisk as well. The Nice Guys, fantastic. Big Short, fantastic. These are good movies. He's good in them. Place Beyond the Pines, loved him in it. Thought he was terrific. Um, Crazy Stupid Love, fantastic. Drive, interesting, liked it. Um, Lars and the Real Girl, he's phenomenal. I haven't seen Half Nelson, but I want to. <clears throat> so you can see that I'm, I wasn't just, re I was reading only the ones that were well known. I have seen others that I didn't mention. Okay. And The Notebook. I saw The Notebook and I liked, generally as a movie, I liked that. And I thought he did a, a solid job. Um, <clears throat> I think he's an actor that does better with words than with silence. Interesting. And this character, this character is very much about the things he's not saying. And I thought it was particularly telling when you cited one of the most powerful moments of the movie um, was when you were looking at him in a helmet where his face was hidden and you could only see what he, or the reflection of what he was looking at and that you were then filling in the blanks about what was going on inside that suit. And that is that is the both the prize and that is the the ver the guilty verdict of the fact that that guy is not delivering if what you need to do is cover his face and see a reflection to be to be emotionally moved. And I I don't think that he's a man yet. He I don't think he's a man. Um, and I don't I think he's miscast here. He, he was cast in La La Land because the other guy couldn't make it. Who's the other guy? The one from, from Whiplash. Um, the actor from Whiplash. I'm that... drawing a blank, but I guess I didn't, matter, that, you know he, I, mean. I didn't know that he was uh, second choice. I believe, I believe that, that, that the actor from Whiplash was Chazelle's initial choice. And that for whatever reason, he was not available or didn't make it. And that, that Ryan Gosling was the second choice huh? or third or whatever. And so he just feels like he's here because that director is, is interested in taking actors and moving them to the next project. And so See, on and so I, forth. I kept thinking of uh, his performance here definitely also reminded me of uh, Blade Runner 2049. Yes. And, and I was beginning to think to myself, you know, he, 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 whenever he gets these roles where he, is not supposed to speak a lot. Mm -hmm. he, he he chooses them well because it 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 worked there and it worked here. Because apparently the okay. real Neil, Neil Armstrong is this very stoic, no nonsense, close to the chest kind of guy. Okay, so listen, I, what I'm going by here is based, as I've said before, purely on my stereotypes of only knowing about. Movies where these people have been represented before, okay. Mm -hmm. So I fully, I fully give you that. But I feel like, like, um, like Ryan Gosling didn't have the emotional heft or gravitas in the, his 
in his instrument as an actor to to pull this off. And I want to just give you a, a few names. Okay. Not of people who should have played it, but of people who are actual men. Sam Shepard, Glenn Scott, oh my God. Ed Harris, whoa, whoa, Dennis whoa, 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 Craig, hold on, hold on, hold on, Fred Ward. Stop, stop, slow down, slow down, slow down. All right, all right. Okay, all right. Uh, I, think you meant, <laughs> I think you meant Scott Glenn. Oh, sorry, yeah, Scott Glenn. Okay. I have dyslexia. Sam Shepard, Scott Glenn, Ed Harris, Dennis Quaid, Fred Ward. I'd say even Barbara Hershey would have been pulled it off more. Lance Henriksen. Uh, I'm looking at the, the right cast stuff cast yeah. of the right stuff. Those guys seemed like they were men who had bodies that had been lived in, that had been punished, and that yeah. had that that they're they're they had been you know like sharp how, how weathered steel how, not just weathered but like how steel gets hardened yeah and in the in the in the forge and in the process of of um blacksmithing it is it becomes something more than what it was yeah yeah no you already see like like you can see like they've already got some some wrinkles in their faces right from what right. they've done and he's any, and he's baby smooth in this yeah any that's true. one of those guys would have beaten the living shit out of ryan gosling and the right and the character ryan gosling is playing and I similarly think Tom Hanks, Bill Paxton, Kevin Bacon, Gary Sinise, Ed Harris again, that from Apollo 13, that that again, those those they felt like like men who had lived yeah. when they were playing those parts. And I just missed that feeling while watching this boy. And you know, I, I'll 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 have to I'll have to agree with you, not so much in I, I I do agree with you um, that he he didn't have the the kind of ruggedness of, yeah. of all those actors that you mentioned okay. um, but I can say that while I was watching the movie I felt that in the scenes where he's interacting with his kids mm-hmm. oh absolutely he's not he there's something it's he's there's something not naturally paternal that comes from him oh i was just thinking that you were going to say well now i'm going to say what i thought you were saying which is what i thought which is what i thought which is i believed those scenes more than i did the scenes where he's standing around with men to me the scene you, you okay you you're, you're taking a dump on this because <laughs> he basically had nothing to do in that in that shot, looking at the moon. No, 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 no. I'm saying that that is the perfect culmination of saying that when I liked his performance the most was when I didn't have to look at him, because what he was emoting or not emoting or whatever brooding about was getting in the way of my enjoying the thing. That moment I absolutely thrilled over, and then I thought, isn't that funny that in order to get there I had to not see his face. Because that could have been you inside that suit. It was everything that came before that shot that made that shot what it was. Where I wanted need... him to to, yeah. to express more silently was after they get back to Earth. And especially mm. in the scene where uh, he's on the other side of the glass with, with Claire Foy. 
Yeah. That's, I wanted to see a different, like, I wanted to see change on his face. I wanted to hmm. see something else, but it was, he was essentially the same person he was for the previous two hours. Right. Because I don't think he has that gear. I think he needs the words. He needs the words to make that show. I thought that scene was kind of lovely and fine as it was. It did remind me of, gosh, the, I think there's a shot at the end of, oh man, I'm not going to remember this. Uh, Michael Shannon is taking his son who. Oh yeah. Uh, we saw that. Well, yeah, yeah. We reviewed yeah, yeah. that on this. Midnight on special. This Mid- yes. Midnight special. Midnight oh, special. God. Yeah. Yes. So there's the last shot of that. I, that this, the end, the end of this movie made me think of that shot. Where I think Michael is on the phone. I feel like. But anyway, he's standing at a window. Hmm. I can't quite remember uh, exactly what it was. But it just it put that thing in mind to me. So, yeah. I, uh, here's what I, I sort of feel like. As, as the character and as an actor, in this instance, I don't think that Ryan Gosling had, you should pardon the expression, the right stuff. Oh, Okay, well, um. that's 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 kind of that that is fair. Um, however, I would say that, at least in my feeling, that that was yeah. that that is absolutely not true of just about every other person in the movie. That's the other thing. They surrounded him by guys who could have been that thing. Jason Clark was great. Jason Clark is is great. He's a, he's a great actor. He's got that I'm an adult man thing that I'm talking about. And yeah, I thought he was he he was terrific and I just I'm really happy about the trajectory his career is on because I've been following him for for quite a while. Hmm. Um, you know, Zero Dark 30, Lawless, I saw him in that. I liked him in that. There was a TV show called The Chicago Code where he played a cop who plays by his own rules. Um, and that's where he came to my attention. Particularly, but I'd seen him in Public Enemies before that. The guy's done a lot of really good work and a bunch of crap in a bunch of, you know, whatever work in in crappier movies. But, you know, up to and including, whether you like them or not, uh, one of the Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Oh, okay. Um, and I just, I really, oh, and I think he was in like a Terminator type movie. Like Terminator Genesis or something. Yeah, yeah. He played John Connor. I mean, fuck. So, yeah. I was going to get to this this friggin' cast. Kyle Chandler. Yeah, fantastic in this. Guy's a rock star. And I, 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 I wish that they'd all had a little bit more to do. Some of them, I mean, Jason had more than even some of these others. Yeah. But, uh, so I feel like they surrounded him by guys who were who, almost... Who really in a, looked and fit <laughs> yeah. the part. Yeah. Yeah, in a different movie. Uh Kyle Chandler, I just want to touch on Bloodline. That is an HBO, I think, type show that he did that I just adore. I've mentioned it here before, so I won't go on endlessly. Where he plays a cop, and it's a family drama, but he's he's excellent. Oh, and he's going to be in the upcoming Catch Twenty Two miniseries. Uh, uh, Kyle Chandler is. Yeah. And what, what? I never quite got the first... I didn't really quite get that movie as a movie with Alan Arkin and Oof. everyone else. Well, it's, yeah, it's, no one did. It's a big mess. <laughs> it's a big mess. And so I'm hoping for something better uh, here. 
but I'm not seeing enough uh, information about who's behind it <laughs> to be sure yet. <laughs> it could still go south. <laughs> yes, it could still go very badly wrong. But um, I'm just surprised they're making it a series. That does seem a little weird. It's one of these limited, you know, it's going to be six episodes and, uh, and okay. whatever. Okay. Oh, they're not like a Handmaid's uh, Tale where they're going to... Extend no, it past so. the book. Okay. <laughs> yeah, season two, catch twenty three. Season four, catch twenty uh, five. Catch twenty two, um, part two. Catch twenty. Right. Carrot uh, Corey Stoll, this actor Corey Stoll, who played uh, I think Buzz Lightyear, Buzz Aldrin. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, he's another one of these guys who's been in a million things. He was in. He was in. Um, Oh, no, it doesn't matter. Uh, he's in uh, currently in something called the Romanoffs, which is this another oh, yeah. short, short-lived, or you know, a limited series type thing. I think um, that I'm looking forward to seeing. That's uh, Matt Weiner, right? The guy who did Mad Men. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, that's particularly why I'm why I'm interested. But he's done a lot of really interesting work. He kind of disappears into the background, but he's been in things like The Bourne Legacy and. You know, some of the Midnight in Paris, he played Ernest Hemingway. I like Midnight in Paris. I I didn't see it. For a lighter weight, you know, it was a little bit more of a throwback it, for Woody Allen in that it wasn't just this relentless drama that I don't care about. I, I the only thing it had a sense of humor. The only thing that yeah. interested me about that was that I thought uh it was brilliant to cast Adrian Brody as Sal- as Salvador Dali. Oh, <laughs> yes. Um, you mean for Midnight in Paris? Yeah. It's a it's a fun it's a fun little thing. But anyway, Corey's in here has almost no screen time, but does still makes a pretty big impression. Yeah, uh, I, I has, had no idea. Has... Buzz, I had no idea Buzz Aldrin was such a dick. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And by all um, accounts, he was. Right, uh, exactly. So, and, and then by the time he ends up on that last mission, he has little—he has nothing to say, because no one is talking in the last, you know, uh, not not none to speak of, other than hey this and hey that, and we're we've touched down and so on and so forth. Um, those little type things. Uh, other um, in terms of surrounding people with even Patrick Fugit, yeah. who you sort of know from being a kid, but at least he's grown up into something that he pieced completely believable to me as a, a you know somebody at, working at NASA in the '60s. He he read very well. Yes, he did. Um, in order to make in order to make um, so you have all those guys plus Siren Hind. I don't know how to pronounce the guy's oh, name. Oh, uh, I think it's Cheerin. Or... Oh, probably. Uh, I I adore that guy. Where um, have I seen him? Because well, maybe I'm just recognizing his name. Because when I saw his name in the cast, I was like, oh, wait, where was he? Well, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm going to say things, and you go, didn't see that, didn't see that. Probably. Uh, he was on Game of Thrones. Nope. Which I don't think you watched. Nope. Um, let me see. Race to Witch Mountain. No, I'm, I'm sort of joking here. <laughs> Miss Pettigrew Lives for a Day, which is something I saw that has the uh, incomparable uh, Frances McDormand in it. If you haven't seen that, it's a very sweet. Um, I do. I do love Frances McDormand. I love Amy Adams even more. It's just the uh, occasion hasn't come up yet to watch. Right. It. Oh, he's well. He's in in Bruges, but he's uncredited. Hmm. 
Um, Margot at the wedding. I'm trying to pick out things that I think you will have seen. <laughs> you know, I know you didn't see Miami Vice, but maybe you saw Munich. I did see Munich. So he was there. He played a guy named Carl, but I didn't see Munich. <laughs> oh, right. Carl. <laughs> um, so, and he's been in a hundred by that things. name, I'm guessing he was the token <laughs> Gentile in the movie? Maybe. Oh, well, he was, in, he was in Road to Perdition, which is hands down one of my favorite movies. Hands down. Speaking Love Speaking of Perdition. Tom Hanks. Speaking of Tom Hanks, exactly. Um, and he, he was in a... Uh, he was in a TV series with where he played the first husband, the first man, and his wife was president, but I can't think of what it was called, and I don't see it here. Uh, it has to have been. It has to be in front of me, but I just don't see it. Uh, so, but he's just another one of these guys that has so much weight to him. He brings so much uh, gravitas. And um, even Pablo Schreiber, who has a name that doesn't really fit his look. Are you saying he doesn't look like a Pablo? Is that, uh, is that, Pablo is that where this is going? Or a Schreiber. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying he looks like neither of those things. Okay. He looks like more like a Chirin Hines. Um, but he is, uh, he's many seasons on Orange is the New Black, which I know you haven't seen. But he does, you know, he does these big, you know, he's in 13 hours and he, he plays a lot of really tough uh, sons of bitches and, and bastards. And I know him from this complete piece of fluff called Lights Out, which was a TV series that had 13 episodes uh, starring, oh God, what's the guy's name? Holt McElhaney, who is just this big burly guy who has been a sidekick or he's like the third thug or whatever in a bunch of things you've seen and Holt played a boxer and and Pablo played his brother and it was just a terrific hmm. uh, I really liked it you know it just didn't have any legs to keep going so I've been sort of paying attention to him since the, you know 2010 or 2011 well, so you must have had a field day with the just the cast outside of Ryan Gosling Absolutely. And I felt I wanted to see them doing more than they did. Um, like, why do you get these? Why do you put all these guys here? Uh, are they there to prop up Ryan Gosling? Or are they there to give this thing some heft? Because uh, because of, you know, uh, Apollo 13, I feel like it, I feel like they cast these roles to, to sort of keep themselves elevated. And then just to keep Ryan Gosling from not looking like the biggest pussy out there, they cast Lucas Haas <laughs> so that he could at least look like more of a man than that. Wow. So, okay. Whenever you need, whenever you need to prop up your leading man, you cast yes. Lucas Haas. And he will, uh, <laughs> your leading man will always seem butcher than... and more uh, fortified than, than he does. So, uh, you, you might be right. I think, actually... The, yeah, they there there probably was some goal of having the the vibe of these guys rub off on on Gosling a little bit. Right, right. Because I I, I don't believe that Jason Clark is significantly older than Ryan Gosling, but they looked like they could be ten years apart. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, that's a good point. Let me see. Gosling is nineteen eighty, and Clark oh. is nineteen sixty nine. He's quite a bit older. Yeah. Um, I mean, as these well, things go. Well, 12-ish, 11, 12 years. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, right, right. Um, yeah, well. Because if you revisit, 
yeah, if you revisit Ryan Gosling in 12 years, I do believe you'll see, you, we will have some of that gravitas. Well, now, to missing. be fair, how yeah. old was Neil Armstrong? Oh. At the time of the... Oh, oh man. Okay. Well, I'm just I'm, sure, I'm just sure curious if it's I, yeah, if it's close know. to 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 Gosling's age. Uh Wait, Neil Armstrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I was just typing in the wrong no, thing. It won't be an IMDb. Uh, <laughs> Incidentally, Kyle Chandler had one of my favorite moments in this movie. While you're looking yes. that up. Um yeah, it's when he's drawn on the chalkboard. Here's Sputnik. Right. Here's the moon. And And they have to get out the the second The second thing. And then he has the guy check the scale of his drawing, and he was just off of it. The moon was supposed to be a slightly different size, I think. Yeah. Neil Armstrong was born in the 30s. He was 39 years old. Hmm. Hey, wait a minute. Butch Gosling, like, almost his age. Yes, it's, it's like true. within a year. Listen, so? This is this is this is kind of what I meant about uh, I, I've been contaminated. I've been contaminated. So here's what I think is very very possible: that Ryan Gosling gave a pitch perfect performance. That he was the basically the right age and basically the right tenor to play that guy. Okay. And I'm in my mind. What I have is these iconic actors doing. You know that 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 almost like a, 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 a what do you call a money shot of those guys walking in slow motion right. that we've seen over and over again that they've been iconized in my memory because that's how they were presented to me right. and so and so when I see this what might be a truer more natural performance it feels like air has come out of the balloon because hmm. he's not being glorified the way they were. Uh, so I, I'm completely acknowledging that my reaction here could very well just be tainted from the start and unfair to to Ryan Gosling. However, my feeling about the script, my feeling about a, a large part of the direction, and so on and so forth, I just feel like there were there were lots of things here that were I've seen this before type moments, even down to the discord between he and his wife. Hmm. Or what, what it was like for the families at home was thoroughly exploited and properly exploited in Apollo 13. Yes, very well. That's and one so, of the strengths of that movie to me. And so um, and so, I just felt like I was looking at some bits and pieces of it were just basically Xerox copies of other versions I've seen of this, not only in these biopics, but, I mean, the relationship between he and his wife is not that different when you strip everything away from the cop who the cop and his wife he's always out doing something dangerous he's disconnected at home and doesn't never opens up to her that is a that is a, a dynamic we've seen over and over again yeah, okay true yeah but i mean if that's what the dynamic was is the movie supposed to avoid that just because it's been covered it's ter- it's been territory covered for so long i mean if anything i, think, I feel well, like it wasn't you know it was covered in this movie that aspect but I felt like it wasn't, they didn't make more of it. They they didn't give it so much attention that I was starting to feel like it's not adding anything new to it. What was new was the scene where he's trying to tell his kids he might not come back. Yes, I think his relationship with his children is a much more interesting place to focus 
than on his relationship with his wife. But to me, just, the, only, the only moments of friction there that I recall yeah. are when she's telling him, you got to go talk to your kids. Or when he drives away when the, from the but it doesn't just it doesn't just have to be friction. It could be undying support between them. It could be some other dynamic than maybe what it was. But look, you're saying to me, well, should they not show it if it's if it's something that is 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 by this point trite? And I'm saying, well, am I supposed to enjoy it just because they show it, even though I've seen it before? I mean, my argument is, yeah, sure, they can do it, but it doesn't mean I have to be. Uh, engaged by it or no that's or, true no that's true and or, i wasn't i wasn't implying that that you know no it's all right so i i think that's the fault in in your very arguments your argument being should they leave it out which i think is a fair question but uh, ultimately no they can go ahead and leave it in i'll just not be happy or they could find something well new. I, I i found that it was middle ground okay. i found that it was it was i felt it was appropriately addressed without being dwelt upon to the point where I started thinking of other movies that did okay. it better. But that was just me. Now, and I'm not saying that Paula 13 did it better. Apollo 13 did it first. And did it... It's not like Apollo 13 is this movie nobody's heard of. It did it loudly. I mean, it did it... It, it put itself on the map. So oh, I, don't yeah, know. No, I feel like it, I'm being kind it, of... It, it did it with all the magic of Ed TV. <laughs> Anyway, I just felt like the this the script in some places was not as innovative. Now, so here's the yeah. thing. The phrase that came to my mind, which delighted me so much, and I don't I don't know if anyone else will get this, is uh, Damien Chazelle did not disappoint. I thought he was going to whiff, and he whiffed. You, wait, are you saying that that's a phrase other people have said? Well, I'm saying usually when you say so-and-so did not disappoint, you're saying that they came through with flying colors and were impressive. Right, right. And here I'm, here I'm going, uh, based on my reaction to La La Land and my, maybe I just didn't understand it, but my lack of appreciation in the end for the thing as a whole, I was going into this expecting to be yeah. uh, let down and uh, he came through and he let me down. Or, or as um, I like to sometimes say, I had low expectations and they were all met. <laughs> they were all met. That's probably better because it takes way less explanation uh, to, as a phrase. So, like, I just keep going back to, have you seen Whiplash? I can't remember. No, I promise this I is haven't. the last time I'm going to ask you. Not. All right. Well, then I don't even know why I'm talking to you. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, to me... I was so, that was like the M. Night, that was like the sixth sense for me in terms of being impressed with a director's quote-unquote first film and going, this guy is going to do great things. And then he does La La Land, which I accept that I don't appreciate um, the way many, many, many other people do. But the, the sort of, the elevator pitch or description of La La Land is that he took the movie musical and he reinvented it. Oh. And he and he made it fresh for a new generation or whatever. Okay. Well, he may have made it fresh for a new generation, but that's not the same as. It was it was the thinking man's musical. I'm gonna that's what I'm gonna say to get you with your own hoist you on your own petard. Well, but you're so wrong. here's here <laughs> no, but that's how that's how I hear people talking about it. I'm not saying that's how I feel about it. I'm okay. saying that's what people are saying. So people are saying he took the musical and he made it, he revolutionized it and did this amazing thing that had so many layers and so much level and so on and so forth. Then that's what I'm expecting from this. 
And I felt like this was kind of boilerplate, except for a few shots that I thought were really interesting and moments where, like being in the capsule where it was different and new for me, there were large portions of it that were stuff I'd either seen before or felt like air being let out of a balloon for me. Did, and so, um, so would you would you go so far as to say that he should stick to music oriented movies? I mean, was this a complete failure for you in terms of him stepping out of his element? Um, here's what I'm going to say. Uh, for the most part, La La Land was a disappointment to me. And for the most part, this was a disappointment to me. So I don't think that, you know, he, he, I'm more likely to say he should stay away from making movies than I am to say he should stay away Whoa. from making non-musicals. Or at the very least, at the very least, I it, the elements that are going to be in place for whatever his next project is are going to have to be really compelling for me to put down my money at the uh, at the uh, Cineplex. Wow. I almost said I almost said at the Cinnabon, but that would have been <laughs> completely wrong. Um, so, yeah, I, I the level of disappointment I feel is the way people felt about about M Night Shyamalan as those subsequent movies came out and were not as compelling. Well, I guess time will tell if uh, if Damien Chazelle makes a film as, as <laughs> already, unbelievably unsuccessful as... Oh, shit. Now I forgot it. <laughs> the name of it. The thing with uh, Mark Wahlberg. Oh, uh, the, the, the Happening. Oh, that's right, The Happening. Yes. Right. Well, listen, I almost would have rather seen Mark Wahlberg playing um playing Armstrong. Yeah, I can I can just I can just see a, a Boston Southie going right. into space. Yeah, this looks like the moon. Um, you know, you said something earlier that that I felt like when I was watching the movie, I was getting so at one point I I think I almost said, "Oh, come on." About the sixth time they showed a shot of Neil Armstrong looking at the moon. Because I, di I wasn't getting more and more and more out of that. I feel like they had made their point with the first or second, maybe well, the third one. That's, but it's probably, like what you said before, it's probably not trusting the audience enough to make the connection when we get that shot from the moon of the Earth. Well, that was just it. And I didn't get that. I didn't get that until you said it. Oh, come on. So even, no, I didn't. This is honest, honest truth. And in that moment when you said it, you know, mirroring all those times we had seen it the other way, I went, oh, that's what all that was for. Even, even as it was, here's my point. Doing it more times didn't get me there. And I am not a dummy. Maybe I'm getting into the area of being a dummy. But I... I it wasn't doing it, so he could have done it three more times, and I still wouldn't have. I st still wouldn't have known. Again, I just feel like that shot, that shot staring up at the moon, is a cliche. Right. I promise you. It, I pro I know for a fact that it's in Apollo thirteen, and I guarantee you it's in uh, the right stuff too. All right. The instant I saw it, I just dismissed it as a thing, which isn't fair and was a disservice to myself. But I wanted to give you the credit for oh, thank you. kind of opening my opening my eyes on that because Damien Chazelle fell short of uh, successfully making me understand why he was doing that. I, I I will I I will concede your point that there really isn't a dramatic arc 
to this movie. Uh, you go into it knowing that it's about its last moment. Right, right. Um, I still felt like I was walked through that era and that program pretty convincingly. And it was enough for me, at least, to forgive some of the other things, except for those flashbacks at the end. You know, that's funny. Um, yes, I'm glad you brought up the flashbacks again, just because I hate that so much. Um, not specifically in this movie, but when that is used as a technique by showing us stuff that came earlier in the movie. Right. I have been, this is going to be a sidetrack. I think I can convincingly explain this. For a very long time, I have stood on a rooftop and screamed about that technique in two different instances. One is in the aforementioned Sixth Sense, which I don't feel like he really needed to do. But you see, I, funny, I feel it's justified in the Sixth Sense. Um, it, it doesn't bother me as much there, but um, I, the Sixth Sense and I have a weird relationship, so I have to table that. But it is an example of the thing that I hate, okay. generally speaking. But the one that always set me off was John Hughes, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, oh, sure. Steve Martin on the Train. It makes me livid. That makes me livid, okay? And I recently uh, heard or read, I think it was online somewhere, whatever it was, the movie originally had a slightly different ending. Planes, trains, and automobiles? Planes, trains, and automobiles. Or that the way that it got there was different, and for whatever reason, they couldn't do it the way they'd originally intended. And the way, what was the original intention? I, it doesn't matter. Here's the point. They had footage of, of shots of, of uh, Steve Martin on the train, and they, they basically, essentially in editing... Um, John Hughes f f figured out how to use that footage and, and that other sort of quote-unquote flashback footage, which was never shot or intended to be flashback footage, to get you to what their new ending needed to be. That that, that, that wasn't built in the script and that wasn't built on the set. That was built in editing. Did that, and does that save um, it for you? No. It, it saves it a little bit for me because the footage of Steve Martin is not the stuff they shot. It was the downtime between takes when Hughes left the camera running. Hmm. So it's just Steve Martin being Steve Martin, the actor, waiting for them to say action. And he found this footage and went, I can use that look on his face right now to accomplish this thing. And it suddenly gave me a much greater respect for that thing. A reluctant, can you imagine? I've For decades, I have loathed that moment. And now I'm kind of going... Uh, now I feel like I got to give him some props somehow. So, anyway, I love it that you. I love it that that was the problem you had with that part because I had. I've, I finally got to the place where I didn't complain about it. It didn't. It didn't set me off, and it set you off. Um, so that's uh, that was fantastic, and I completely forgot where I was, I was headed with all of that. There was a point, but uh, well, in any case, perhaps we should. Uh, <laughs> perhaps we should. We should close on that note. Unless there was more you wanted to... Uh, no, 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 no. I don't think I really do have... Uh, you know, there's just like little bits and pieces of nonsense um, that doesn't matter and that is not on the tip of my brain. It's one of those things where five, ten minutes after we're done, I'll go, God damn it! I forgot to thing the... Whatever. Um, do, we, do we know how... Yeah. Uh, how if, if Neil deGrasse Tyson has signed off on this? <laughs> I don't know. That would be an excellent thing to find out. Did they get the uh, the, the the constellations in the right 
spot. <laughs> I'll tell you what that. Oh, I know what it was. That what they didn't get right. I, I, I believe it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. They're supposed to be quarantined for a month after they get back. Yeah. And the first sort of one of the first shots we see of Neil going into quarantine and into the room that he's being is with is, is with another person. Is, it's being led by another guy who isn't being quarantined. Yeah. It makes zero sense. Yeah, no, I, that know, that I noticed that too. It made me actually so angry. That bothered me more than the flashbacks on the moon. I did have a couple other quick things I wanted to touch on, not so much about this movie, but I wanted to just sort of say, uh, you know, movies that take place in space or that have to do with the moon. So I'm like, okay, you saw this, you didn't see this, whatever you're interested in, in, in the, you know... There is literally the movie called Moon, which I've talked about a couple times, I think, or referenced. Yeah, isn't that with, with Sam Rockwell? Sam Rockwell. Kevin Spacey does a voice in it. Um, so nobody, he didn't hurt anybody in the production of that movie. Well, I heard they're replacing um, him with someone else. <laughs> I'd love it. <laughs> uh, it is a terrific, low-budget, low talk about, a, I think, a, a, an what do you call that? A coming out for the director, I think is a first feature by Duncan Jones. Spectacular. I love it. Uh, so I re- I'm talking about that. There's a movie called, uh, that's a, more of like a horror type thing called Apollo 17. A, uh, a, a found footage thing. This is why we didn't thing. go yeah. back. Exactly. And this is why you've never heard of Apollo 17, 17 because yeah. of all these things. Um, and that was stupid fun. And yeah, found footage and, and very, you know, I'm going to say uh, reminiscent maybe of, of uh, paranormal activity because it's a very small cast and, you know, uh, a limited location type uh, scenario. And then just uh, just gravity from a couple of years ago, which I did yeah. kind of basically enjoy. Some interesting ideas in there and so on. So I just thought I'd float those out as well because I was dumping, uh, knew I was going to dump so hard on this one. Um so more than more than I usually do anyway. I'm always uh I'm always gaga about things, I feel like. Anyway, uh so yeah, my short my short thing on this is I feel like Chazelle disappoints. There are a few moments and as well as the script, uh there are some moments that clearly would have been crafted by Chazelle that uh stand out as visually striking moments or uh that I left going, oh yeah, that which in and of itself is an accomplishment because I spent so much of the time going, I hate this fucking movie. But then there were still these things that, that broke through my hatred. Wow. <laughs> and made an impression on me. So I've got to give props there. Um, and, and that's my short take. Yeah, I guess my, my short take is uh, I felt this was a, this did an amazing job of putting you there, personalizing the, 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 the early space program and the experience of being in the module and, and going through all those tests. But uh, I do concede that uh, it does it does leave a little to be desired in terms of the human element. But it is still very much, in my mind, a worthwhile movie. Definitely worth seeing. Excellent. Thank you for uh, <laughs> putting a little bit of sugar on top of my, um, uh, I don't know, what, what would I have been? What spice would I have been? I don't know. Acid, I think, is what you were throwing. <laughs> oh, 
that's true. That's true. Well, you and I will get our heads together and figure out what the next uh, next movie adventure is going to be. Yes. In the meantime, we'd like to thank all of you for listening and for coming back again and again. Uh, we hope to see you here again soon. For now and until next time, the doctors are out.